0: What's up, friends? It's E, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Rise Up. I pray that you're seeing God move and work in your life as you give gratitude and praise for the day that you're in. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a freedom and a privilege that I think we take for granted far too often. So let's each of us prepare our heart, clear our mind, and take a deep breath and unpack the word for this week together as we jump into the good news. The word for this week is vote. Over the past several months, and I feel like a majority of 2020 for that matter, we've seen protests, rioting, business shutdowns, mandatory quarantines, anything dealing with hot takes and cultural divides, you name it, it's been turned into hot trigger topics. And politics have unfortunately bled into just basically about everything, from professional sports, Hollywood, and fashion, and even the church, and you name it, somehow in some way it's been impacted. And no longer are the two avoided topics at the dinner table, religion and politics. And you might say, but E, this 2020, I've been more vocal than ever, especially with the injustices around us. I've posted black squares on my Instagram feed. I've shared Facebook threads on political hot topics. I send out YouTube videos of news stories every hour to people, and I've been using specific hashtags. Okay, but let me challenge you on that for a second. Is that truly making a difference? Or are you just trying to pander to the pressure of your followers on social media? I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but really analyze this. And I'm not saying sharing information isn't powerful. It absolutely is. But if you really want to make a difference, I challenge you to take it one step further. And I challenge you to exercise your right to vote. And I'll never forget several years ago when I used to go to the Pentagon with my mom for some of her business meetings. After one of her briefings as we were walking out, she was super contemplative. And she turned to me and she said, if you ever want to make a difference in this country, you have to understand policy and pass legislation. You can march in the streets holding signs screaming at the top of your lungs for change. And that's great and all. And it shows a ton of spirit and you're exercising your First Amendment right But the only way to truly make a difference for the legislation that you want implemented or removed, aside from literally running for office, is to vote. Posting a photo on Instagram might get you cultural points, but that's pretty much about it. You want a bill passed? You have to vote. You want legislation forged forward or repealed? You have to vote. You want leaders, especially Christian leaders, in power positions? You have to vote. And not even just the general elections. I'm talking also about the off-year elections that secure local political positions. And I know you might think that's boring. Trust me, I used to too, until all of this COVID stuff started happening. And it really opened my eyes. Who controlled your mask mandates? Who controlled your kids going back to school? Your mayor or your governor? And everything down to the local dog catcher. Know what is going on in your community. Know what's going on in your own backyard. And be informed. Know your leaders by name. When it comes to politics, especially right now, ignorance is not bliss, and I know that it might feel like it is sometimes, But if you're wanting a change, then you have to be a part of the change. And if you're wanting true movement, you have to be a part of the movement. And you can't just sit idly by waiting for things to change the way you want them to. Hope is not a strategy, especially this election. And I've honestly started to lose count of all the people that would say, but aren't politics supposed to stay over there in that general sphere of life as I live my own life and do my own thing? Not necessarily. If you peel back some of the layers here, America has a representative form of government. It is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And when you decide to exercise your right to vote and you go to the ballot box on voting day, you're actively playing a role in who will not only lead our nation, but also who will make our laws and protect our freedoms. It's one of our most basic civil duties. But here's an important question. Should Christians vote? Do our voices even matter? And why should we engage in politics to begin with? What's the motivation for doing so and for voting? I have a one-word answer for that, and that's Christ. And here's why. God established the family. God established the church, and yes, God established the civil government. God is, and his word is truth, and the standard for measuring all truth. And our source of law is God. Our foundation of law is God's word, and the discovery of law and truth is through God's revelation only. So if God wants you involved in the family, and if God wants you involved in the church, don't you think that he'd also want you involved in civil government? Like, why would you retreat from that sphere of influence in life? Because didn't Christ command us to be the salt and the light? In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus talks about believers as being the salt and the light. And he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house." let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven so why is it important that we're the salt because we preserve our country and even the world for that matter from decay and as the salt we flavor it with good which then creates a thirst for god and why is it important that we are the light because we are commanded to dispel the darkness and illuminate the way and path for those who are lost and then fuel the spiritual growth in others. And there are other verses in scripture that are cited often with regard to our Lord's commentary on government involvement. One of them is the temple tax in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. And then the famous, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21. And there's also a verse in the Old Testament that really stuck out to me in regard to positioning Christian leaders in political office, and it's found in Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, and it's a dialogue between Moses and Jethro, and he says, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. One of my favorite Bible commentators explained it like this. Great men should not only study to be useful themselves, but contrive to make others useful. Care must be taken in the choice of the persons admitted into such a trust. They should be men of good sense, that understood business, and that would not be daunted by frowns or clamors, but detest and despise the thought of a bribe. Men of godliness and religion, such as fear God, who dare not to do a base thing, though they could do it secretly and securely. The fear of God will best fortify a man against temptations to injustice. Moses did not despise this advice. Those are not wise, who think themselves too wise to be counseled. And another example of how we select representative leaders by exercising our right to vote based on biblical principles is in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, where it says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And for those of you that are like, awesome, thanks for all these verses, but why do I still need to vote? Okay, here are five biblical reasons why to vote. First, as Christians, being the salt and the light, as I mentioned above, we are not to be afraid to speak and to stand for truth in all areas of life and culture. And that boldness is exercised through your vote and being concerned about the type of government leaders and various laws and policies that we live under here in America, knowing that that impacts not only yourself, but also your neighbor as well. And last time I checked, you're commanded to love your neighbor as you love yourself second in romans chapter 13 verse 1 the governmental authorities that exist have been established by god and within that establishment we have the responsibility to be good citizens as written in first peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. we live in a country where as citizens christian citizens in america we have a privilege and a freedom to vote when millions all over the world would kill literally kill to have that right One of the most fascinating statistics if you have a chance to look this up is on voting registration and the voter turnout especially within the evangelical community and of those who are registered to vote roughly half choose not to vote which then forfeits their opportunity completely to play a citizen's role in the government of the people by the people and for the people that determines our nation's leadership and laws that could help protect the unborn Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, our second amendment rights, you get the point. So don't jeopardize that gift of an opportunity. And third, as a believer in Christ, you have been entrusted with stewardship over your talents, your time, your treasures that you are responsible for. So similar to the parable of the bags of gold in Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 through 30, You are responsible for your actions of what you do and do not do. So be a faithful servant and take action. An educated vote is a wise investment. So be a good and faithful servant, not a wicked and lazy one. Moving on to the fourth point of the five biblical reasons why to vote Thanks to the 15th Amendment, it doesn't matter your race, your skin color, male or female, rich or poor, the federal government in each state cannot deny you as a citizen the right to vote. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Voting is an equalizer for your voice. It's an equalizer for my voice and other American citizens' voices to be heard and represented in powers a position within the government. And just as we are all one in Christ Jesus, we are also one nation under God. And the fifth and final point, this is more of a rhetorical question than it is a statement, but why would we not want candidates in office who are God-fearing, they speak the truth, they're individuals for good, and they protect and defend our Christian values? So be an informed voter. Understand what each candidate stands for. I'm not going to sit here and tell you who to vote for. I want you to do your research and align your values and what scripture says in alignment with the candidate that you're going to be voting for. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, there's a point where the prophet confronted King Jehoshaphat and said, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is on you. And remember, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. And it's interesting because when I talk to some Christians about voting, I usually get roughly around these three similar answers or responses if they're choosing not to vote. First being they either believe there's no need for them to get involved in the culture or worldly matters. The other point is that some Christians think the second coming of Christ is happening like yesterday. So that's another reason why they don't want to get involved. And also there's some Christians that are actually female that say, well, my husband votes for me. So they vote for the household, so I don't need to vote. And let me just put a pause on that. If you are any of those three people, I hold zero judgment, but let me put it this way. What if someone got voted into office That wants to challenge or even remove the freedom of religion. That's the freedom of you going to church, worshiping freely, evangelizing the gospel. Then would you have realized your vote mattered? Well, I mean, what will it take? What about defending and protecting the unborn? Is that worth a vote? What about removing God from the Pledge of Allegiance? Is that worth a vote? You have to ask yourself what is your line in the sand as a Christian? Faith and works. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And some of you might say, okay, E, I get it. But both of the politicians, I am not a fan of. Why then should I vote? Okay, remove personality from the game. What values do the candidates represent? Look at the candidates' positions on abortion, religious liberty, gun rights, the economy, big tech companies, education, the legalization of drugs all social issues, and I know that sometimes it feels like you're voting for the lesser of two evils, but my favorite pastor, Pastor Rob McCoy, he always says back to this, until the second coming of Christ, you will always be voting for the lesser of two evils. And then there's always the separation of church and state crowd. And this crowd gets really riled up over this. And I read something very clearly and well-written the other day on this exact topic. The separation of church and state, as established by modern courts, is based on a misreading of a personal letter from Thomas Jefferson in 1802 to the Danbury Baptist Association in Connecticut. Because the Baptists at that time were concerned about their religious freedom of practicing their faith. And in the letter to Thomas Jefferson, they wrote, What religious privileges we enjoy, we enjoy as favors granted and not as inalienable rights. And Jefferson wrote back to them assuring them that there was a wall of separation protecting their religious liberty from government interference and free from the state tampering with that religious liberty. And it may come as a surprise, but the phrase separation of church and state is found nowhere in our U.S. Constitution and specifically in the First Amendment, which reads, Congress shall make no law an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So, in Jefferson's letter, he was emphasizing that the right to practice any faith or to have no faith at all, is a foundational freedom for all Americans. And the First Amendment ensures both that the government does not show preference to a certain religion, and also that the government doesn't take away any individual's ability to exercise the practicing of their religion of choice. So put simply, if someone comes at you with this whole separation of church and state thing, here's one sentence to always remember. Separation of church and state means the church is not to rule over the state, and the state cannot rule over the church. And for those that are supporting Christians not voting, I read a fascinating article the other day that said, our vote does not guarantee certain people will be placed in positions of power. It is God who sets up and removes leaders, which is true. I'm not challenging that. And then it said, should Christians vote? And it continued. Believers ought not to waste their time and energies on trying to fix a dying world through the ballot box. Our Heavenly Father wants us to dedicate ourselves solely to worshiping Him in spirit and truth instead of incrementally trying to improve a system that Satan dominates. Our goal should be to proclaim to the world what are God's solutions to man's problems. Okay, after reading this, half of it I get, half of it I really got to push back on because again, you can proclaim to others god's solutions but where is your works with faith alongside proclaiming you're supposed to be the salt you're supposed to be the light when i was reading this i honestly could not help but think of a situation that is literally embedded within my heart and my mind when i was living in manhattan there was a planned parenthood that was by my uncle's apartment that i would walk past almost daily getting the subway and there was the most precious nun standing outside every day praying the rosary. Every day. And I'm sure within her day-to-day prayer time when she was outside of Plain Parenthood that she talked to people walking by and proclaimed God's solutions to man's problems. Case in point, the building behind her. But nonetheless, behind her, within the four walls of that clinic, was contributing to the annual 105,000-plus abortions in the state of New York. Now, I'm not taking a low blow at the nun for praying. Please know, prayers are so powerful. I cannot stress that enough. Prayer is everything. But what if we were to take our involvement within the community a step further? And not only pray... But also vote a godly man or a godly woman into power of position of leadership within the government that not only promotes Christian principles but also our Lord's values. So now you have a double threat: we have a prayer outside of the building, and we have officials in the office that protect the rights of the unborn. If you still want to use my example of the non in Planned Parenthood, and guess what? If they don't get into office, well, thank goodness we serve a sovereign God, and He will use all things for good. But just because God is in control does not mean that we get a hall pass. It doesn't mean that we do nothing. To further his will a majority of the suffering that goes on within our own country's borders or even abroad is because of godless leadership it literally says in scripture in first timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 that we are commanded to pray for our leaders and in first samuel chapter 12 verses 13 through 25 it talks about how we are to choose leaders who they themselves would obey the voice of the lord because remember righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people So align God's word and the realities of choices that are presented on the ballot. Pray for wisdom and guidance for the situations at hand and do your homework and research candidates that are on the ballot. Another important thing to do before you vote is to fast. It's so important. Fasting with prayer and reading a scripture. Challenge every thought that you're presented with. Just like in the last episode of Conspiracy, we talked about this exact thing. And make sure you're registered to vote and physically show up to vote on voting day. And if you can't physically show up, then you can get an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot. But I'll be honest with you. I can't even trust that a postcard will make it from LA to Missouri with the United States Postal Service. So I'm not quite sure I'd trust a ballot to do the same at such a short distance and within my state borders when it has my name and my party affiliation clearly stated on the back of it. But to each their own, I digress. Look, you have to view voting as an opportunity to protect and preserve our freedoms. And if we pass up that opportunity and then remain indifferent towards it, then you're allowing those who would love nothing more than to disparage the name of jesus christ to have their way which will no doubt impact your life trust me it will especially if they choose to go even further and go after your first amendment rights specifically dealing with religious freedoms impacting your ability and right to spread the gospel so with your voice you can either vote for righteousness or you can stay silent toward moral disaster. And if you think I'm being too dramatic, continue to stay silent and out of the political arena or out of the public arena and see what type of country you have left for your kids and your grandkids. Personally, I'm not willing to take that risk. I feel like Christians have been silent for far too long and look where we are in our culture today because of it. And honestly, there are way too many Christians in this world that are being persecuted, having to have church underground, cannot pray in public freely, and they pray to have the blessing and freedoms that we have here in America, especially when it comes to a voice in the swampy world of government and politics. So if you've never registered to vote, please pray on it. And if you are registered to vote, Pray also for wisdom, watch the debates, educate yourself outside of the sensationalized mainstream media and all those clickbait titled news articles that you see blowing up your Facebook feed. There are some great websites out there that are very neutral in the way that they deliver the news. One of them I know is justinnews.com. And if you're confused, if you're registered to vote or not, check in with your county clerk or even your secretary of state's office. They'll be able to let you know if you're registered or not. Also, if you're the type of person who doesn't trust that your vote will be counted, I totally get it. Maybe this election, you pray about it, you think about it, and you apply to become a poll worker and where you can assist on election day. You can literally tally the votes. You can answer questions that people might have. You help set up with equipment, take equipment down. But that is a great way for you to protect the integrity of the election if you really have doubts and questions on it. But I think as a poll worker, you have to be trained so make sure you do your research on that. I think it's like $100 a day for the day's work. Um, But I'll put a link in the description of the podcast for more information on becoming a poll worker, if that's something you're interested in. And for those of you who say that your vote doesn't matter, and then claim that the Electoral College needs to go because that's the reason why your vote doesn't matter, I have a great book for you to read on the importance of the Electoral College, and it's called The Electoral College Critical to Our Republic. I'll put that in the podcast description as well so you can see what book I'm talking about. But let me Put it this way our individual actions might seem incredibly feeble at times, and you feel like it doesn't make a difference. And here's a perfect example recycling. Will my one can that I recycle, or the straw that I do not use, will that solely save the environment? No, it won't. But does it help? Sure, it helps. But the collective actions of others choosing to recycle or choosing to take those similar actions. That is where the larger impact takes place. So similar to making a difference in your community, it's the combined efforts as Christians, as all of us together, coming together, that will make the impact that we need in this country. So does your one voice make a difference? Absolutely, because it will add to the collective, and we need your voice. And remember that it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, there is one body, but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. So yes, as a Christian, your voice does matter, your vote does matter. So use it to further support a free society where you can freely worship, where you can evangelize, where you can freely provide for those that are hungry on the streets and clothe the homeless and fight against injustice. And regardless who gets into office, Our Lord's commandments remain the same, and amongst those are to love your neighbor, pray for our leaders, and in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, we are to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. So in closing, I know I've been a broken record about this. Register to vote. If you're registered, please vote and encourage others within the community to vote. And when you get into the ballot box, vote for his values. Remember, pray, fast, and do your research. Our ancestors fought for this right especially if you're a female or a man or a woman of color. And make sure that you pay close attention to the dates and cutoffs. I cannot stress this enough. If you want to request a one-time ballot by mail for the general election, know when the cutoff is for your state, know when the voter registration deadline is, and if you want to vote in person and don't want to wait in line on the election day, you can go to the Secretary of State's office or the county clerk's website to see when the first day of in-person early voting is. So I'll use Arizona as an example since that's where I'm registered to vote. I know that Arizona law allows for early voting in every election, which is awesome, and it begins 27 days before the election day. And also, if you do vote by mail, know when the deadline is to mail back your ballot so it's actually counted instead of just sitting in some random warehouse pile and it never gets counted into the mix of things. I think it's usually at least seven days prior to the election when you should send back your ballot, but double check all the dates or if you're nervous about mailing in your ballot, totally get it. There's usually in-person early voting locations like I talked about, similar to Arizona, or some of the county recorder's offices or election offices. They'll have a drop-off box for your ballot. And I know too, some counties have these, like, secured ballot drop boxes that you can use as well. But after you drop off your ballot, your mail on your ballot, or you vote in person, or you decide to bring your ballot to a polling location, the cool thing about it is that you can actually check online to see if your ballot was counted and if your signature was verified. So, again, using Arizona for an example, there's a website called my.arizona.vote. That you can log on to and check that way. But for your state, literally you can go online to your secretary of state's office or honestly just Google verify my ballot status in whatever state you're in. And it'll pop up in the search results and you can click from there to figure out if your ballot got counted. So again, I'm gonna put all these links in the description of the podcast and it'll be the links that I talked about where to register to vote, how to tell if your ballot got counted, that book on the electoral college, all those things. It'll be in the description of the podcast so that you can remain encouraged and empowered and registered to vote and get out there and make a difference. But look, I'm proud of you. Stand firm, don't lose hope, and we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Now more than ever, your voice needs to be heard. And I get it, if you wanna march in the streets, write blogs, do your Instagram videos, that's all fine. You're exercising your freedom of speech, but I challenge you to take it a step further and vote for his values. And Lord, I pray for this country. I pray for our leaders. I pray for the Christians of this nation to rise up. But above all else, Lord, I pray for your will to be done. You are love, my friend. Go rise up. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. If you have a minute, go to the subscribe and review section of this podcast. Leave us a word or a Bible verse that you've been carrying in your heart throughout the week that keeps you encouraged and motivated. I really want to keep this podcast review space to be almost like an added bookmark for that simple reminder that we're all in this together and that God's got this. Feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, or on social media. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible in 365, as well as the Falkirk Center, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here every Wednesday on Midweek Rise Up.